0: So that is it for announcements. Before I go on, we're gonna throw it over to Anna to talk about our kid sheets, which should have been emailed out to you.
1: Hi there, so this week we do have some kid sheets for you. I hope you got a minute to check your email and print those out. Um, We have our beloved word search, which is very poignant for the sermon today and keeps with our Christmas theme. We also have another fun activity. I encourage you to read the directions at the top, but basically um, what we're doing is we're just writing or drawing or coloring something Um, On or around this Christmas tree that just helps us reflect on the reason why Jesus came to earth So identify that why did Jesus put on skin and come to earth for us? We have a couple more pages in here, especially for our younger friends. We have a fun little connect the dots and then we have another uh, Christmas coloring page But the piece de resistance that I really 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 want you all to print out is this fun little thing This is to go on your refrigerator I would love it if y'all would put this on your refrigerator or some central location and think about it during the week. It has our memory verse on it. It has a fun activity to do as a family or with your friends or grandkids. Um, I hope you'll take part in that. And then just some thoughts to consider um, that Jesse's going to talk with us about today.
0: Awesome. Thank you very much for that. Um, Word Churches, always, always a hit. You know my feelings in Word Churches. I'm terrible at them. But... I know a lot of you love them, so. I thought about being a real jerk in this one, and as I was printing it out, like, pulling out a letter or two to be like, yeah, now try to find those words. But I didn't, I promise I didn't. I thought about it, but we're good. All right, so, if you, you're probably wondering, why, why are we doing this Christmas? Why, why am I wearing a Home Alone shirt? Why is Anna wearing a Darth Vader Christmas shirt? Why, why are we doing this? So, let's talk about that. If you were to sum up what is Christianity, in one or two things, what kind of things would you say? I was gonna throw it out and ask you guys, but no one's here. Um, You might, there's a lot of things you could talk about, but I think the incarnation of Jesus should really be at the top of that list. Honestly, without that, everything else kind of falls apart. Jesus's incarnation, Jesus becoming human, is the central importance and central mystery of the Christian life. In fact, it was so important to the early church that really, really early, they co-opted other celebrations and took them in to turn them into a time of remembrance of the Incarnation. And that, that day, that holiday became arguably the holiest day in the church calendar. Christmas, Christmas Day. Now Christmas was first mentioned in 336 CE. And it was mentioned as if it had been going on for a while, so it was was probably happening before that. It was talked about as a regular thing, so we don't know exactly when it started, but fairly early on. Now, this sounds like a great idea, right? Setting aside a set day and or season to reflect upon the Incarnation and its importance. But there is a problem with this. Because think about it, when you set aside a specific time for something, no matter what it is, our natural instinct is that, not during that time, we don't really think about it, right? I mean, if Bing Crosby's not singing about White Christmas, if the Grinch isn't stealing stuff, we're really not talking about the Incarnation. We're not talking about Jesus coming to Earth as a baby. Why? I mean, how weird would it be if I only talked about the cross, or only talked about the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, during Lent. That would be weird, right? Like, it, I just wouldn't do that. So that's why we're doing this, to talk about the importance of this incarnation, of Jesus' incarnation all year long. So I guess our next question should be, what is the incarnation? We're not going to go super deep theological into it. We could. We could spend an entire series or more just kind of delving into the intricacies of the incarnation. I'm going to keep it pretty simple. I think maybe my favorite definition of the Incarnation comes from John chapter 1, where we read there, The Word became flesh, and made his home among us. We have seen his glory, glory like that of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. So Word is John's way of referring to the divine side of Jesus, the deity of Jesus, he refers to as the Word. The word became flesh, and dwelt among us, made his home among us. Christians often shorthand this idea by saying Jesus was both fully God and fully human. Now, the idea of a god coming to earth is not unique or new in Christianity. It was fairly common, especially around the first century. So think about it. Let's stick with the Greek pantheon. You had gods coming to Earth a decent amount of the time, but they were either not really human, as in maybe we'll say Zeus. Zeus came to Earth a lot, but he came to Earth in disguise. He might put on a, a, a human coat, or he came as a goat, a bull. He, he came as a ton of different stuff. Uh, you know, the myths the and stories talk about that. But each one of those times, Zeus isn't not Zeus. He's just a god wearing a a human coat. So that's not the same thing. Or you have the person, the god coming to earth, but losing their godhood, not really being a god. An example of that might be Hercules. What kind of godhood they had was manifested in. They were just real strong. But they weren't actually a god. They lost that. So the defining characteristic of Jesus coming to earth is in this maintaining both fully God and fully human. Those two things working together. And that's something that to our heads doesn't really make sense. And in fact, was one of the biggest early arguments the church had. Was about how is this possible? So we're going to go quick little church history here real quick. One of the earliest church arguments was between a man... Sorry named Arius and a man named Athanasius. So we had Arius. He said that Jesus was not fully divine. He was arguing that Jesus was the Son of God, but the firstborn Son of God, and that, you know, subsequent humans followed, that Jesus was the prototype pattern of what it meant to be a child of God, and that everyone else would follow that. He talked about Jesus being not exactly the same as God, but similar. had similar essences. The counter argument to that was a guy named Athanasius, who argued that Jesus was fully divine, and that that was central to the idea of Jesus, arguing that Jesus had to be a central, equal part of the Trinity, and had to be of the same essence as God the Father, not similar, had, had to be the exact same. Now, this argument heated up quite a lot. They had a big council and they were arguing. According to these stories about this, at one point Arius is talking, laying out his argument, and a certain bishop from Turkey, a certain bishop from Myra, Turkey, has just had enough. This bishop's name is Nicholas. According to the legends, he gets up, strides across the room, and punches Arius in the face, knocking him out. Does anyone happen to know who this bishop from Turkey is? Bishop Nicholas? Went on to be sainted? Became Saint Nicholas? Yeah, that's right, Arius got punched by Santa Claus. You know you're on the naughty list when Santa Claus knocks you out. <laughs> just, we'll just leave that there. So in the end, uh, Jesus's divinity was upheld. I'm like, how are you gonna go get Santa Claus, right? Jesus divinity was upheld and the wording was Jesus was fully god, fully human, equal part to the trinity. That's how that kind of early issue resolved and it's been kind of that line of thinking ever since. That that line has not been questioned. It's Jesus, the incarnation is paramount central to Christianity. And the next question is why? Why is the incarnation so important to us? And again, we could spend forever talking about this. But I really like the definition or the reason that 2 Corinthians gives. In 2 Corinthians 8, uh, verse 9, this, this is what we read. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. I just love that. that this is kind of simplifying it down into the languages of rich and poor but that Jesus became poor so that we might become rich. Because Jesus becoming poor was the only way to restore our relationship with God. We should kind of fast travel way back to the very beginning, back to Genesis. God created everything. It was awesome. Humanity, we were chilling, relaxing, in the garden with God. We were walking with God. It was amazing. As we so often do, we kind of mess things up. We sinned, we didn't listen to God, which caused what we call the fall. Now, this left us in a weird spot because God has two very even sides that, at first glance, could seem to be against each other. First side is divine justice. God has absolutely perfect justice. And that we think of as a good thing, but in this case could be a bad thing for us. I mean, God's divine justice is you can't skirt around wrongdoing. Wrongdoing must be paid for. Wrongdoing has to be dealt with. But once it is dealt with, it's completely gone. It's wiped away. But that, how does that balance against God's infinite mercy and his desire to show us love, show us mercy, have this relationship with us? Those two seemingly are going to come to a head here. Because this divine justice can't really be played out on a human. We, we wouldn't survive it. And the other side of it we need a deity for. That's where Jesus comes in. Jesus, the incarnation of Jesus, is the answer to this seem, seemingly problem. The justice is enacted on a human, because Jesus is fully human. Whereas the defeat side of death, that pouring out of mercy upon everyone had to come from a God. So that's what happened. Jesus fully human, fully God. There's a couple famous quotes that I really like that talk about the incarnation a little bit. Um, First one comes from an early church father, Arrhenius, where he's talking about Jesus, says he, being Jesus, became what we are so that we might become what he is. I I really like that one, Uh, but I I wanna jump to the next one because I think it, it kind of, makes it a little tired here. So our buddy, Athanasius, took this, took this quote from Arrhenius and shifted it a little bit. So Arrhenius talks, excuse me, Athanasius, a a lot of names, they're not super important, but just so we keep straight. Athanasius said, he, being Jesus, became human so that we might become God. Now I know that at first hearing might sound weird and even a little alarming, right? You're like, wait, us wanting to become God, isn't that what caused all the problems in the first place, right? It's true. But um, if you have your Bible, turn with me to 2 Peter, uh, right at the beginning there, starting at chapter one, and we'll jump to verse four. This is kind of how this is talked about here. So, just talking about Jesus. Through his, Jesus's, honor and glory, he has given us his precious and wonderful promises that you may share. the of the divine nature and escape from the world's immortality that sinful cravings produces so it's not talking about us ascending to godhood and divinity the participants are not coming into a divineness Our, our human nature does not become divine but we are brought into the loving triune god we are brought into that love Christianity, we often talk about adoption when we reference salvation. You know, salvation leads to adoption. Jesus became human so that he could restore our place as God's children. That's what we talk about when we talk about we can become God. We can become children of God. We become united in Christ. And then through the Holy Spirit, we enter into the Father's Love, And that Father's love is so key here because it is God, the Father, who looks down at us, sees us, has the exact same love for us that he had for Jesus. God looks at us with the same love. You know, Jesus is the only beloved Son of God, right? That's kind of the moniker that gets talked about a number of times. Because Jesus became what we are, human, we share a relationship with him. We share an essence with Jesus, that human essence, that human nature, so that through him, we become adopted, beloved children of God. Because of Jesus' human nature, we enter into this relationship. We enter into the love of a triune God. We become adopted, beloved children of God. And that's why the Incarnation is so important. That's why it's something that we shouldn't just talk about for a couple of weeks at the end of the year. It, you know, it is something we should talk about all year long. In some ways, it's kind of sad that some of the absolute best songs that talk about the Incarnation just happen to be Christmas songs because that's the time that we set aside to do it. We should really be singing Christmas songs all year. I would absolutely love it if we sang Joy to the World throughout the entire year. I know some of you wouldn't, but that's a message that I think we need to hear throughout the entire year because it is so important, so central and so key to
1: our eternal future and lives. Join me as we pray.